Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So we are going to uh, continue our, our series uh, this morning, our Superpower Series, where it's family series. We've got the kids in the room with us, and, and uh, turn me down just a little bit. I'm a little hot, um, and, uh, and, and my microphone is too. And um, <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so um, anyway, this, this uh, family series, we've been, we're kind of highlighting a different superpower each week, and uh, just as a reminder, we're having a, a contest. We are... At Living Hope, we are boycotting the church summer slump, and uh, we are intent on actually growing our church during the summer. No church has ever done it in the history of mankind. We're doing it, and um, that's not true, but, but, but sort of true. Anyway, so we are going to, um, basically, we got a little contest going, so if you, whoever brings the most uh, friends uh, during this series, which ends at the end of this month, um, then uh, that person will receive $150 in... Um, Movie money, like uh, movie tickets. So you can g- gather up all your friends that you brought to church and take them to a movie and spend more time together. That'll be a lot of fun. And, um, and so that's good. Make sure they fill out a connection card and drop it off the table, and that's how, you, how we uh, keep track of all that. Um, so let's do this. Today we're talking about X-ray vision, or X-ray vision, one of my favorite superpowers, uh, the ability to see through stuff, right? And so I, I remember as a kid watching the old, uh, or actually it wasn't, it wasn't original back when I was a kid, but the reruns of the old uh, black and white George Reeves Superman show. Anybody remember that show, the old, the old black and white? Really, I'm the only guy that wants this show? Okay. Guess Megan's like, no, we're not that old. <laughs> you know? So anyway, no. no. So George Reeves uh, Superman was, um, like I said, old black and white show where everybody was like, hey, coppa, you know, talking like that all the time. And, and, uh, and, and just this uh, 1930s, 40s, whatever it was show. Uh, but I used to love watching that show after school, um, even though, like, compared to the new Superman, if you've seen the new Superman, that guy, uh, that guy, he, he's, uh, um, um, well, uh, he, he, he looks good. I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm a man, I'm just gonna say, he, he's, a, he's a good looking Superman. I mean, he fills out that suit well, he's very muscular, that sort of thing, you know. Jamie tells me he's hot, and, um, and so, anyway, but uh, he may be Superman, but I'm Mr. Incredible, so it's all right, so... <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, but anyway, but he is, I mean, he is like super strong. George Reeves back in the day, the black and white Superman, uh, not so much was like a, he looked like a drunk Superman, very puffy and, uh, you know, not, not so defined and, uh, that sort of thing. But, but I loved it when he would exercise his x-ray vision because, you know, inevitably there'd be this room full of bad guys making plans and he would, you know, they'd do some little special effect where he would see through the wall and see them making the plans and, or see some, you know, damsel in distress tied up in a, in a closet somewhere. And, and, uh, and so just, just that ability to see what nobody else could see, very, very cool superpower. And so that's what we're talking about this morning is the ability to see what no one else can see and how God gives us that ability. Now, now sight is a very important thing. If you don't have it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, now some of you, I, I, I don't know if there's anybody that's, that's truly uh, blind in the room this morning. There might be. Uh, but without my glasses, which I just realized I need cleaning, uh, without my glasses, you guys are all just big puffy blobs, and um, with them, you're more attractive blobs, and, um, and so, 
that, it's, it's great. The way I found out that I needed glasses, I was 16 years old, and it was time for me to get my driver's license. And so I, uh, I go down to, we live in this little town, go down to the courthouse where they administered the test. And, uh, and, and so I took the written test, I think, and then, then they had me take the vision test, which was this little black box that you press your forehead up against, and you had to read little lines of, you know, whatever in there. And, and uh, so the, uh, the police officer, you know, was given the test. He said, you know, read the first line. And, and I was straining. I was having a hard time seeing <coughs> what was in there. So I started guessing really hard. <coughs> so I'm like, E, F, S, T, just trying the best I could to, you know, kind of see. I'm pulling back on the corners of my eyes a little bit and see if I can see a little bit better and, you know, that sort of thing. I didn't re- really didn't realize I had bad vision until this point. And, and, uh, and so he kind of looks at me, and uh, he flips a switch and, and says, read the second line. So I get back in there, man, I'm guessing, I'm, you know, trying as hard as I can to read these letters. I'm guessing as hard as I can. And uh, so he flips it around. He looks at it in himself. Then he flips it back around. He says, yeah, I think you need glasses. I, I was showing you numbers, and you were reading letters. <laughs> that, I swear that's true. That's true. And so at, right after that, I got my, uh, my glasses. And when I got my glasses, um, like, I had no idea how much of the world I'd been missing. It's like if, you, if, if you've been through that, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like you put on your glasses for the first time, and you're like, whoa, those big green blobs are actually individual leaves that you can see on trees. And, and uh, you know, I was, I was a basketball player. I started actually making shots. I was, that, was, that was a good thing. And, uh, and so, you know, I looked like a big dork in my 80s glasses, but I didn't care because I could see, and that was so, that was so cool. Um, there, there's nothing like not being able to see and then going from, you know, blindness to sight, so to speak, you know, uh, to whatever degree. Of blindness, but when, when, when we're talking about the kind of vision we're talking about today, that there is a vision that God gives believers, that um, that He gives us the ability to, at times to see things that other people can't see. He gives us the ability. He gives us what what I like to call dreams. It's not my word. It's the Bible calls it this: dreams and visions. Okay, dreams and visions, where He impresses a God-ordained dream, a God-ordained vision on our lives, and puts that on our heart to where that. Like, we, we see um, something that could be, that people around us can't see. We see a solution to a problem um, or whatever, or we see a, a, a new ministry. We see a new way of doing family. We see a new way of doing life, of doing school, of doing whatever. We see a new way that God has impressed upon us that not, not always other people around us can see. <clears throat> if you've ever been in that place, you know what I'm talking about, where God impresses a dream on your life no matter what it is, and you tell somebody about that dream, and all, all you hear from people is, well, it won't work because of this or, or whatever, and, and, and lots of reasons why nobody can quite see it except for you, because God has the, been the one that has given you the vision. There have been times, you know, I know it's the big joke around here, and we talk about it all the time, but, but you know, there are times some of you come to me and say, living hope should do this, and, and my response always is, Go, you're living hope. Go do it. You know that sort of thing, and 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 so nobody ever comes with ideas anymore. And um, but but I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that there's a reason that God impressed that on you. I, I think that 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 He has a way for you to accomplish those that dream, that vision that I couldn't do it or somebody else couldn't do it. That He put it on you for a reason. 
And God is always, you look back through the, through the Bible, God is always picking the most unlikely people to accomplish his purposes. And he still does that today. He still does that today. And there's nothing like um, being a part of a vision like that. You know, where we're surrounded in this culture by, by visionaries, or we, we hear stories about visionaries all the time, people like, you know, big inventors, you know, that invented light bulbs and telephones and things like that because they had a vision of what, what was and what could be. Um, you know, and so we still get, we get, now, I had a vision as a kid. I've always been a big uh, goal setter. Like, I, as a kid, I used to have, uh, like, a spiral notebook torn, you know, page torn out, uh, you know, stapled on my wall right above my bed of five life goals. And this is when I was in, like, you know, fourth or fifth grade. I, I can remember I was setting goals way back then, and I just, just things I wanted to accomplish in my life. And, and some of those are, are, have either come true or, 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 are still goals for me today because God implanted them on, my, on me at that young of age. Some of them, God has replaced my dreams with his dreams. For instance, when I was, you know, again, very, very young, my dream for myself was to be a zookeeper. Um, I thought there was no cooler job in the world than zookeeper. I don't even, I'm not even sure if they call themselves zookeepers, but that's what I wanted to be, right? And, and thank God I'm, I'm standing here delivering his word instead of shoveling elephant poo this morning because that God's dream was so much better than my dream, right? And, and, and we need to be people that will step up and dream God's dreams, dream God's dreams. And people that are constantly asking, God, what are your dreams? What are your visions for my life? Would you reveal that to me and, and impress that on me and give me a burden for those things? Uh, because when that happens... Um, th- there's no telling what God can do with our life. There's, there's just no telling. And so we want to be people who are dreaming God's dreams. There's a verse about this in Proverbs, a really, really great verse. <coughs> I want to read it to you. Proverbs 29, uh, starting with verse 18. Now, this is a, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. A lot of people will quote this and say, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish. This is what this verse actually says. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Very, very interesting. Where there is no prophetic vision, what, he, what he's talking about, uh, Solomon, the writer of Proverbs here, what he's talking about is back in this day, <coughs> when God had a message for his people, when he was speaking to his people, he did it through prophets. He would give a word to uh, a prophet who would then deliver that word to the people. These po- prophets were highly respected, uh, um, you know, religious leaders of the day. And, uh, and sometimes it was a message of encouragement. Sometimes it was a message of rebuke, uh, you know, like the God needing to do some correction. Sometimes it was, uh, you know, a, a prophetic uh, vision about the future of something that was getting ready to happen. Uh, but God would use the... So basically what this verse is saying is when, and when, when, when he says cast off restraint, or pe- the people cast off restraint, it basically means they lose hope. And so what, what's being said in this verse is that when, when the people stop hearing from God, they lose hope. When we stop hearing from God, we lose hope. And, and then there's this tagline there at the end that is so interesting where he says, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And, and when I was reading that, I was thinking, what do, what do those two have to do with each other? I mean, he's talking vision, and then he's talking about, you know, keeping the law. What, is, what does that even have to do with each other? And the more I got to think about it, I got to think about this, that um, an obedient Christ follower is in a better position to hear from God. Somebody who's obedient to God's word is in a better position to hear from God than somebody who isn't. And so I, a lot of times I'll hear things like, 
you know, why is it that that you or that people, you know, some people are constantly, you know, they say they heard from God or God spoke to them this way, and they're like, I never hear from God. I never hear from God. I never feel like I'll go to the Word and and, and hoping to hear from God, and never, I never seem to make any kind of connection. And I would say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know your life. It's, that's between you and God. I can't say definitively, but I would say I would at least ask yourself the question: Could it possibly be because there's some disobedience in my life? that is blockading me or keeping me from a position of, of being able to hear from God more clearly? Could it possibly be that I'm living my life that is in a way that's contrary to God's word or that, that I have accepted some, some uh, ideals for life that come more from my own reasoning and the culture around me than they do from God's word, that I'm disobedient to that word, that I'm resistant to that word instead of embracing it? And maybe if I was just embracing of God's word, God's law for my life, maybe I'd be in a position where I could actually hear him a little bit better. Could it be that disobedience is keeping me from that kind of clarity? Again, I can't answer that question for you, and I'm not saying that's definitively what it is. But I would say, if that's you, is it worth at least asking yourself that question? It's worth at least asking yourself that question. Can, can we be honest? There, every single one of us at a diff, different places in our life, we go through, through times where we are resistant to the Word of God. Where, you know, we know the truth of, of God's Word, but we're like, ah, that really doesn't fit in with the way I'm living my life right now. Or that really doesn't fit in with the way everybody around me thinks and talks right now. So I'm just not sure about that. We kind of go through this wrestling match with God's Word. By the way, you'll never win that match, Ever. Ever, ever, ever. God's a pretty good wrestler. All right? Second thing there about that is this. I think that God's vision will never disagree with God's word. That's a really important point to get. God's vision will never, ever disagree with God's word. In other words, God's not going to give you a dream or a vision for your life that is contrary to what he teaches in his word. I've heard before people that have gone through uh, marriage problems where they're, you know, they're struggling in their marriage or whatever and, and unhappy and, and have convinced themselves, God, uh, God has been speaking to me. He wants me to be happy. And he has told me that, that I can be happy if I leave my husband, if I leave my wife. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm following God in this. And again, God's word is never going to contradict his vision to you. They will always be in harmony, always. If you hear a voice telling you to do something contrary to God's word, that's not God's voice. And you should probably run away from that voice. Uh, that's not God's voice. All right? So, like I said, I've, I've always been a, kind of a big uh, dream guy, a big uh, goals guy. I, I, I keep a list of goals, you know, present, uh, you know, where I can access them pretty quickly on my computer and stuff and, and just things I want to accomplish in my life. Some of those things are just kind of personal dreams. Some of them are things that I felt impressed upon by God uh, that, I, that I, I need to do because he's called me to do whatever that is. And, and, um, and I, I've just, I've always been that, that guy. Now what happens is as we get, you know, like I said, when I was young, I had this dream of being a zookeeper. Maybe you used to dream of being a doctor or an astronaut or, or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and, and what happens is we have these really kind of grandiose dreams, big, huge dreams for ourselves when we're younger. And then the older we get, the more kind of uh, jaded we get. And, and we start, you know, we either scale back our dreams or we just completely stop dreaming. And th there's, there's a reason for that I want to illustrate real fast. Isla, come up here and help me. This is my daughter, Isla, Supergirl. 
So Isla, um, I want you to step up here. Uh, let me hold your hand. Got it? All right. Cool. Yeah, right there. Okay. Okay. Yeah, go. <laughs> All right. So Isla, jump. Here we go. Woo! Good jump. Good job. Good job. All right. Very good. All right. She can go sit down. So, um, Scott, come here. Come here, Scott. No, I'm not going to make you jump. I just want you to stand there. All right. All right. Are you ready to catch me? Okay. No, go sit down. I'm not going to make you catch me. No. So, um, so... The reason I'm not going to make Scott catch me is because I know that would go really horrible for me. I really don't care what it does to him, <laughs> I, but it would go bad for me. And, um, and so here's the deal. The reason that when we get older, we stop dreaming, is what we're, the reason we're so able to dream big dreams when we're young is because we know there are people bigger than us all around us that will catch us if we fail. And we, as we get older, and that's no longer the truth, and we begin to think, I'm scared to try things. I'm scared to dream dreams because if I do, who's going to catch me if I fail? And I want to assure you this morning that there is still someone out there that is big enough to catch you when you fail. And you're going to fail. And it's okay. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, but don't be afraid to begin to dream dreams again. Don't just settle for, can, can, I, can I just say this? I don't believe that God has called anyone to a mediocre life. And that's what I think a lot of us think sometimes. We think that once we kind of start a relationship with God, then our life's just going to kind of even out. It's going to calm down. It's going to, you know, everything's going to go a little bit more smoothly and, and it's going to be safer. That's why so many people have babies and then start coming to church. Because as they're baby-proof in their house, they start thinking, well, this seems like a safe thing too. Let's take them to church. Can I tell you this is not a safe place for your kids? Now, it, it is, that sounded horrible. <laughs> it is a safe place in terms of you can trust that you will get them back in the same shape, you, 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 well, sort of the same shape that you dropped them off in. But we serve a dangerous God. And when you expose your children to the, to the truth and the wisdom and the leading of a dangerous God, he just may change their lives in ways that you as a, you as a parent are not comfortable with. He may lead them to take risks for him in such a way that you as a parent would make you uncomfortable. So don't think that you are dropping your kids off to a safe place. We'll keep them safe, but God will do some dangerous stuff with them. God will do some dangerous stuff with them. And that's, when, when I say God doesn't call any of us to a mediocre life, that's exactly what I'm talking about. He doesn't call us to a mediocre life. He calls us to a life intent on following him wherever he leads us. And that gets really interesting at times. That gets really, really interesting at times. So I want to talk about how it is that we, we take our dreams and turn them into reality. Okay, this is kind of practical spe speaking right there. He's already gone, started without me. That's okay. So first step is this. We're going to write down attainable goals. Right, kids in the room, I want you, go, you all do it. Kids and adults, everybody. I want you to do this. I'm a big believer in this. Go home and write down four or five goals for your life. You know, kids, take a stapler and staple them above your bed. If you've got one of those parents that doesn't like you putting holes in the wall, then get a piece of tape and put it. If you've got a parent that doesn't like tape on the walls, then 
I'm, I'm sorry you got those parrots, but, but do, do something. <laughs> Put that on your wall in some way. Write down some, uh, don't write on the wall, write on a piece of paper, but write, write down somewhere, you know, four or five goals for your life, things that you want to do. And, 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 and if, this is the thing about goals, <clears throat> it's okay if they don't all happen. It's okay if you don't accomplish them all. Because what goal setting does is it lead, if, when you start thinking in terms of what my future looks like, and adults, this is for you too. When you start thinking in terms of what my future looks like, um, you start then asking God those questions if you're a Christ follower. You start then asking God, God, what is it you want my future to look like? And so you may start off as a, with a zookeeper in mind and end up with something completely different down the road. And that's fine. God can take your dreams and make them his own. And, and that, that's a beautiful thing. When that, so, but set very attainable goals. And what, the way I like to distinguish goals and dreams is dream is kind of the big picture thing that you hope to accomplish someday. And the goals are the steps that get you there. Set very kind of, so can you, you know, let's say your goal is to, um, you know, start a multi-million dollar company. Can you go start a multi-million dollar company today? No, probably not. But could you today have a conversation with somebody that would give you advice on, on some steps on how to go that way? Yeah, you could do that. Could you today read a book or go to a conference that would get you a little closer to that ultimate dream or whatever? Yeah, you could do that. So, but, so start working through those goals. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to tell somebody about those goals. Share those goals with somebody else. Now, there's a good side and a bad side to goal sharing. The good side is this. Very seldom when God gives you a dream for your life, very seldom do you ever, are you ever able to accomplish a dream all by yourself. That hardly ever happens. Usually at some point along the way, you needed a, some help from someone, a connection, a financial hookup, something. You need, you need other people's influence to help you accomplish your dreams and, your, and, and the visions that God impresses on you. And when you share those goals with some, somebody, not only does it help, help uh, kind of keep you accountable and help people you know, know what it is you're working on, inevitably somewhere along the way you're going to share that with somebody that's going to say, you know what, I know this person and they could totally help you with this. You know, I know this, I think this person would love to finance that dream. I, you know, and, and, and God begins to start making things happen that you didn't know how it was, how was going to happen. So share your dreams. Now, the bad side of sharing your dreams is this. I re- read this study recently that talked about, you know how usually every January we're all, uh, you know, on the weight loss kick. Every one of us are, you know, we're like, hey, we need to lose some weight. And so we get all serious about it. And, and, and if it's me, like usually whenever I get, you know, serious about losing weight I'm like I'm I feel like I feel and it's usually about midnight right after I've eaten a whole bag of Cheetos and um I feel so motivated so like like I am gonna do this I'm I'm getting up I'm exercising I am (laughs) the light was in my eyes and when you were walking towards me that was like one big red shirt you were wearing and it was just you looked cute I'm just gonna say so anyway um so anyway um it was awesome so, but, but I just get, so, like, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat right, and I, am, I, I mean it, I mean it in my heart. And, what, and then what happens is, usually a, a day or two later, I might tell somebody, yeah, I mean, I'm on this kick, I've started this diet, and, and this is what happens, you know, scientists have, have, have done a study, and they've, they've figured out that when you tell somebody one of your goals, there is a, um, it, it, your brain kind of tricks itself into thinking that by sharing that goal with someone else, uh, that there was a success there, that, that you've already succeeded in that goal. And then what happens after you share that goal with somebody else, because you felt that success, 
oftentimes you stop trying. Oftentimes you stop trying. So I still think it's important to share your goals, but you have to go mind over matter on your mind, right? You got you to gotta know, I'm going to share this goal with somebody, and my mind's going to feel great about sharing that, and then I'm going to stop trying, but I'm going to overcome that. I'm going to still keep trying. I'm going to still keep driving forward. So share those goals. The third one is this. Uh, you're going to set deadlines. Now, these aren't hard fast deadlines. These are kind of personal fake deadlines that you set for yourself, you know, but it's just a matter of saying, okay, by this point, I'm going to accomplish this step. And it, that, it keeps your, keeps your dreams moving instead of just kind of this, this kind of theoretical thing out there that you may or may not do. The fourth thing I want you to do, and this is a big one, you need to redefine failure, redefine failure. And what I mean by this is, that, is if you were to go back uh, and, and study uh, somebody like Thomas Edison, who was this great inventor, right? For all the inventions that he, he submitted and that were successful inventions, he had stacks and stacks and stacks of papers that documented all the failures that led up to those inventions. And it's the same thing for us. If you try something, if God sets a dream or a vision on your heart, you can anticipate there's going to be some failure along the way. Something's not going to go quite right. Before I was a pastor of, of Living Hope, you know, I did a lot of youth pastoring and things like that, and and, and, but there was one time um, I attempted, uh, Jamie and I attempted to uh, start a church in the Bay Area. We started off in our home and, and you know, had about a dozen people that were uh, attending. We, we called it Bay Church. I had a, a five-year plan for Bay Church. I had uh, stationery and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I was, I was really planning this thing out. Uh, the only problem is that, that after about eight months, it failed. It just failed. It wasn't sustainable anymore, and we, we had to give it up. And that failure at the time was, uh, it was crushing. It was, it was, it was just absolutely crushing. Because here I felt like God was leading me in this direction. And then it failed. What does that even mean? And what I learned through that after, you know, kind of years of looking back on that was I learned so much through that experience that prepared me for the dreams ultimately that God had. And there were people even in that time period that came came to Christ and still have lasting relationships with Christ to this day. And, and so it wasn't, it wasn't completely fruitless. But God needed me to learn some lessons. He needed to shape me. Even after other churches, I've, I've, uh, I had this moment. Everybody, anybody ever have like that moment of clarity where like suddenly your life makes sense? You know what I'm talking about? Where um, I, we, I had served in a lot of different churches along the way. And, and a lot of those experiences had been negative. Not all of them, but a lot of them had been negative. And I can remember just going kind of church to church as a youth pastor thinking, God, what, when are you going to finally land me in a place where it feels like, um, you know, there's some success or there's, uh, or, or, or I just feel like I'm a part or, or something. You know, it just, it just didn't, it, nothing was landing right. And, and then I, I had this moment of clarity, and it was when you all as a church, when Living Hope Church uh, flew Jamie and I out from Missouri for our uh, big audition, so to speak. And uh, you all were looking for a pastor. And I remember sitting down with the elders in a little room and, uh, and them asking me um, a question about what is your vision for ministry or something, something like that. And as I began to speak, I began to uh, kind of almost like regurgitate lessons that I had learned from every pastor I had worked with along the way. And it was like this light bulb moment where it was like the reason I needed you to go through all those situations was because I had a lesson for you to learn in each and every one of them. 
and it shaped who I was and who I am today. And so when you hit a failure, one of my favorite stories is, is a, a old baseball player, Babe Ruth, uh, one of the greatest hitters of all time. He's being interviewed by a, uh, by a reporter, and they're asking him not about his home runs, but about his strikeouts, because Babe Ruth not only had a ton of home runs, he had an astronomical amount of strikeouts, struck out all the time. And they were asking him, what, you know, how do you feel about striking out all the time? What are you going to do about it? And his response was this, every strikeout gets me one step closer to the next home run. I love that statement. And you need to feel that way about failure. Don't be afraid of failure. Instead, start thinking of failure as, okay, that didn't work, but you know what? It taught me that, what, it's not going to work, and it gets me next one step closer to the success that I'm looking for. Redefine failure in your life. Redefine failure. The next one is this. Uh, You need to pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on, I mean, you need to pray about this thing as if you need a miracle from God in heaven to come down and, 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 and make this dream happen. But in the meantime, don't just sit back on your couch waiting for God to do everything. Get out and work things and make it happen. It's the same thing if you're looking for a job or anything, just about anything in life. Pray like it depends on God, work like it depends on you. God honors those who get out and work hard. Read the Bible, he's not a fan of lazy people. Not a fan at all of lazy people. Don't be lazy. Get up, make something happen. Go out, kill something, bring it back to the cave. Okay? Make something happen. All right? Um, Next one is, I'm going to close with this scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. It's talking about faith. And it says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith... All those old saints that had gone on before received their recognition, their reward, their commendation. It was their faith that did that to them. I love that statement there, that first one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You guys know I've talked about it before. There's an author I love to read, Mark Batterson, wrote The Circle Maker and In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, great books. But um, on his Facebook page the other day, he posted this, and it just blew me away. He He said this, if faith is being sure of what we hope for, then a lack of goals is really a lack of faith. I love that. That's so good. You guys should be amening. If faith, <laughs> thank you. That was the most awkward amen in the history of church. That was the most awkward amen. Uh, amen. <laughs> so, all right. So if faith, is, if faith is being sure of what we hope for, then a lack of goals is really a lack of faith. That is so good, so good that, that a lot of times there are some of us in the room that, like I said, you stopped dreaming. You stopped setting goals. You're so afraid of failure. You're so afraid of, of you know, what are people going to think? Or, or maybe you just decided, I'm, I'm going to stop trying. I'm just going to kind of coast through life, and whatever happens, happens, and whatever. And that is just, it's just the definition of weak faith. It's just the definition of weak faith. Because when you dream God's dreams for your life, when you see the visions that God wants you to see for your, for your life, that is such a step of faith to kind of put yourself out there and say, by God's might, by God's power, this, this is going to happen. God has called me to this. He's impressed this upon me. I'm going to see this happen. And, 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 and that is a huge, huge step of faith. And that come, guys, that comes in all kinds of different ways. Like I said, it can, it can be family goals and dreams. It can be work. It can be church-related, ministry-related, whatever. Can I share an example with you? Actually, I got time. Let me share a couple of examples. One, one example is this. Um, 
last October, our church went, uh, went from one Sunday morning service to two Sunday morning services. Doesn't seem like a very big deal, uh, but actually at the time it was kind of a big deal. The reason it was kind of a big deal is because there was really no reason why we needed to go to two services. We weren't necessarily busting at the seams. This room wasn't full or anything like that. It was, it all started back, at, like I said, that was last October. Back at the previous January, the elders and I began to pray and uh, really felt God impressing upon us this idea of, of moving to two services. And we didn't know when or why or anything. We were looking at ourselves going, I'm not really sure we need to do this, but we just, we just, again, it just kind of kept coming up, kept coming up in our prayer. And, and we began to feel impressed that it wasn't a move that we needed to make because, oh, goodness, we're busting at the seams. We felt God was saying, you need to do this because something big's getting ready to happen and you need to be ready for it. You need to be ready for it. And so as we began to pray, prayerfully kind of, you know, talk to each other and talk to God about that, and then we said, okay, I think we'll, we'll, we'll make that move in October. Again, not necessarily growing by leaps and bounds or anything, but as soon as we made that move, if you've been here since October, you know what I'm talking about, the growth started to happen. Our church is growing like gangbusters now. I love it. It's so exciting. I was talking to an area pastor, <coughs> sitting in his office, uh, a Dixon pastor sitting in his office the other day, and we're just, uh, you know, praying for each other and talking about each other's ministries and stuff. And, and uh, he's like, how, you know, he asked, you know, to what do you attribute the growth of your church over the last few months? And honestly, I sat there for a second, and I wanted to give him a really smart answer, like, well, we did this and this and this, and then growth happened. But I couldn't think of this, this, and this. All I could think of, I, I just looked at him and said, I know this sounds really cliche. It was just a step of faith. It was just a step of faith. There was no reason why it should have happened. It was just God doing what he told us he was going to do. And we just, we just made the room for that to happen. And it's those kind of steps of faith that a lot of times people don't understand, but when you get behind them, it's an amazing... Can I, let me share another one with you. Um, two years ago, two years ago, um, we felt as a church we had kind of plateaued our growth, and we felt like we needed a kickstart. We felt like if we added a couple, uh, you know, other part-time positions, that, that maybe that would help that process. And, um, and so uh, the problem was we didn't have any money to pay anybody. We had some money in a savings, you know, uh, that was intended for you know, someday being in our own permanent facility or whatever, but we didn't have any money, you know, in, in just in giving to pay uh, extra salaries. And, uh, and so we kind of, uh, in an annual membership meeting two years ago, stepped out on faith and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to approve the hire of, of a few extra part-time positions to see if we can kind of jumpstart something. And, and we're going to also approve that for the next three years, we can dip into our savings to pay for that if we need to. Um, that was two years ago. And starting this year, um, our three-year plan was taken over by God's two-year plan. We don't need to dip into our savings anymore. Because God blessed where we stepped out on faith. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. And again, you guys should be amen in that because that's just awesome. Now, God, God, where God moves, where God leads, God provides. And those may seem like really lame examples to some people and it feels big in me because I'm so involved in it but 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 and I'm sure many of you could tell even bigger stories of where God has moved you to a place and then and then provided in such a big way to, to fulfill that dream or vision that he's planted inside of you just know that he will just know that you don't have to be afraid of failing or have to be afraid of what people will think that where God leads is going to provide that there's still a God out there big enough to catch you when you fail and then turn that failure into a victory which is 
Unbelievable that he does that. Unbelievable. Have the kind of vision that we all want, where we can see things that nobody else around us sees, and that's okay. Because if you're seeing it and God's seeing it, that's the only people that need to see it. You can make it happen. You can make it happen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you so much that you still are in the business of uh, giving us dreams and visions to latch on to and to follow you through and to stretch us in our faith. God, for right now, if there's anybody in the room that lately you've been speaking to them about an idea, giving them a vision or a dream about something, God, and they have been trying as hard as they can to ignore you or tell you all the reasons why it won't work, God, would you just assure them right now with your Holy Spirit um, that with you all things are possible. All things are possible. God, you're, you're going to provide where you lead. God, stretch our faith. God, I pray that you would give us as a church dreams and visions for our church and for this community that ultimately the world around us would just look and know that it had to be God. There's no way that could have come from us. God, glorify yourself through us. Glorify yourself through your dreams and your visions for us. God, give us dreams and visions for our families. Give us dreams and visions for just the way we live life. Challenge us to meet you and change. Again, God, we just thank you so much for your word, Jesus. We pray all these things again. In Jesus' name, amen.